sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Rise and shine, sports investors. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. Monday, October 12th. Let's cock a doodle do it. This is the early line right here on Sports Grid, giving you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez, and as always, I got my main man, Kevin Walsh, burning the candle at both ends, trying to give you all the information you need to make it a profitable day. And we're going to try and put the fun and functional sports content at the same time. And everybody, watch the smile creep on Kevin's face right now because we lead today's show with the Los Angeles Lakers hoisting the Larry O'Brien trophy. They get the job done in game six, 106 to 93. They win the series four games to two. LeBron James goes for 28 points, 14 and 10. He wins his fourth MVP award in the finals. He does so. He is the first player in NBA history to win the honor with three different franchises staking his claim. They're going to be talking about it left and right, making some kind of goat claims. Kevin, this went, and by this, I mean the bubble. I mean the NBA restart (laughs) and playoffs. This went the way you saw it. What went down, Kev? Kudos to the Lakers. Yeah, listen, they were the best team all year. And they finished the job. Even in this game specifically, you saw it right away. Coming off of what was a pretty deflating loss in Game 5. Like, one of the reasons I'm lucky enough to see us lead with this is this game happened yesterday. We're not talking about a game from Friday that feels like (laughs) I'll tell you right now, if they locked it up on Friday, it would have been old news by now. (laughs) 100%. I'd have been like, dang, can we please get in the 250? But listen, we, like... That game was a pretty deflating loss. It, boy, did it have 2018 finals, game one, uh, J.R. Smith, George Hill vibes, except transferred over now to Danny Green and transferred over to Marquise Morris. And you could tell right away, this is one of the things with the Lakers. When we got into the bubble, I'm like, there's not an angle that one can take that doesn't keep the Lakers at the forefront of the conversation. Because one of the things people were wondering is, all right, well, this is really going to test a team's togetherness, chemistry. And Lakers had the absolute apex of that throughout this season. You could see it. It was genuine. There was a, a real genuine camaraderie between this group. And at the beginning of the game, they, I don't think they sat down for the full 48, this Lakers team. And that wasn't front-running. That was to keep their guys in it. That was to be their own fans. And it worked. And right. the Lakers put together one of the best stretches of basketball we have ever seen in an NBA Finals in that second quarter when they were on some outrageous, like, 20-to-1 run. They won the second quarter, 36-16. They let their defense turn into their offense. Caruso starting this game over Dwight Howard was a stroke of brilliance from Alex Caruso. Dwight put the nail in the coffin and hit a garbage time three, which made it all the more worth it. 
And LeBron and Anthony Davis established themselves as undeniably the best one-two punch. And in year 17, we now enter next year, LeBron once again, consensus should be unanimous, best player in the world. All right, as we welcome our radio audience around the country, I mean, he's got all the hardware, he's got all the accolades, and he performed as such, right? So for this year, I don't think there is any way you can argue that. Let's talk about this legacy of it all, right? Four finals MVPs. Three different franchises. You mentioned in his 17th season, okay? And I hate we have to do this all the time. I'm reminded of Alabama winning national championships and then literally Saban in the interview with confetti falling down, being like, we got hmm. practice tomorrow. You know what I mean? And always <laughs> looking at, okay, let's see the odds for next year. So I want to ask you about this, right? All praise to LeBron and the Lakers. Yeah. They got to a very unique situation at the beginning of the bubble. They were not shooting well. There were times when Anthony Davis needed to find himself, but the king carried them through. Period. Mm -hmm. Full stop. That's the story of the 2020 season. Now let's turn the page, Kev. <laughs> to 2021 right we've got coaching changes we've got big time free agents that are going to be moving and you just said that lebron and ad are undeniably the best one-two punch in the nba i have a couple of options that are going to be coming online live next year that i wonder mm -hmm. how you feel about them right because we talk about the nba championship odds and oh i don't know Kyrie and KD may yeah. have something to say about that. Oh, I don't know. The Splash Brothers, who were known as the best backcourt in NBA history, are going to be back, in my mm -hmm. opinion. What do we see? There are consistently, you know, the first thing I looked at when you showed me those odds, I consistently, right out the gate, went to the teams that we talk about being disrespected. The Denver mm. Nuggets are 16 to 1 and like the fourth or fifth choice in the West. Didn't we just say all of this? Talk to me about the young Lions coming to get the aging king. Yeah, uh, listen, they're plus 380, the Lakers. That's where they belong. You're the defending champs. The roster should, for the most part, be intact. I think the Nets, 13 to 1, that's value. Can Milwaukee really be the favorites in the East if they have what no. feels like a clear ceiling? You want a deep shot, though? OKC, 55 to 1. Ooh. 55 to 1, that team has all the pieces in the world to make some noise this offseason. That jumps out to me as well. All right, it is going to be a crazy yet condensed NBA offseason. When we turn the calendar, we're tipping it off again. We'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, right here on to the early line, giving you the edge, putting the fun and functional sports content, Dane and Kevin. And if you have been following this show for the better part of the last few months since the NBA bubble, you know this is what Kevin foretold. So I have to ask you, bro, you know I love you. I have to ask you, how do you celebrate a team's championship mm -hmm. in a pandemic? Like, honestly, you can't, there's going to be no parade. You know, I literally remember out here in New York, like the last 
last time the Yankees won a title, even though I guess that was about 10 years ago, right? But when this happens, you literally hear people driving around beeping horns and stuff, right? Yeah. It's a pandemic. How did you celebrate, bro? Did you just throw oh. it back and be happy and then, you know, go to bed? Like, how does that feel? You can't hug, go down the block and hug your friends. Yeah. Like, what, what was that like? Yeah, I mean, you just you just smile. I mean, look, I'm here in New York anyway, right? And like, ultimately, it's Fair. it's travel. It's a traveling fan base that I'm mainly a part of, right? Not one that truly exists in LA. Uh, hopefully, people out there were celebrating by cashing some future tickets. I, I mean, okay. you, you never want to be that guy that delivers. And I told you so. But legitimately, on this show, you and I, like before the NBA was announced, its comeback went through a full bracket, and I said yes. Lakers versus Heat. Lakers win the title. And sure that did. was one of the things, is, you know, when you put this all to bed, like you watch it. And I'll say this on the Miami side because, of course, the Lakers are the story, the walking dynasty, the king, the goat, right? Gets his fourth ring, three different franchises, fourth finals MVP. But Miami Heat, a lot of people, again, still feeling this iconic, like improbable underdog run. And not to take away from them, but. I don't know, and I hope maybe they would rather this, because to me, it is not this unimaginable thing. Because as much as I said I had Miami in, the, in that title game when we did that bracket, so did you. It was, mm -hmm. you know, a, a darling a little bit of this show, the Miami Heat, but it wasn't mm -hmm. a hot take. It had to do with matchups. It had to do with roster construction. And, the, and that was the thing with that Milwaukee series. As I went on, I said, this is less matchup, and this is more Miami is better than them in this series. And that's why then I said they should have been favored going into that series against Boston. Jimmy Butler established himself as a top 10 player in this league, point blank period. Bam, off yeah. of an all-star season, can get better. Yeah. Tyler Hero, the youngest player to have basically that level of an impact in the NBA Finals, sure. going to get better in year two. And that's a team that can make a splash in the offseason. Oladipo, the biggest splash of them all in Giannis. Of course, that will be staying in the mix. Yeah. So, And Miami, without a doubt, too, pushed the Lakers the hardest that they were pushed during this postseason run. So a monster kudos to that group. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you talk about Tyler Hero. Let's not forget about other kids. Duncan Robinson going to get better. Kendrick Nunn, for goodness yeah. sakes, going to sure. get better. So I think you're absolutely right. And we will have time, you know, when it's not looking back on week five of the NFL season to really go into it and talk about what the movement may happen in the offseason. We've got head coaching moves. we got max free agent moves, right? We've got people coming back. We have all pro, all NBA caliber talent coming back onto rosters after season-ending injuries it is going to be fun and we will break it down when time allows you know but what we got to do now kev is look at what we got right what we got wrong and what went down in week five of the nfl season and i want to start with sunday night football where the seattle seahawks remain undefeated but it was a lot closer than people thought i hope you listened to us and took the minnesota vikings with the points they get it done 27 26 i want to ask you this though russell wilson gets shut out for the first half and yet he still winds up putting up 27 points he still winds up you know throwing three touchdowns and it was enough right um is this a positive sign or a sign of concern for the Seahawks? Because I view it as Russ not having the A game, the offense not having the A game, mm. and they still get 
a win. They are still undefeated. You and I were on different sides when it came to the Seahawks coming into this season. Now, certainly had anyone told me that they were going to allow this offense to develop into what it should be, of course it would have raised my profile. But I still would have said, I am worried about this team's luck coming back to the fold. Now, that is not to take away from what they are doing. But throughout the NFL's history, when you win one-score games at the level that the Seattle Seahawks won last year, usually comes back to the middle. Unless you have Russell Wilson, it turns out. And that was the thing that you had said to me when I brought that up to you. And it was actually (laughs) so I said, I don't know if I can really argue you there. Because that's what changes the map. Similarly, I mean, it's not LeBron-esque, right? But like... When you have a guy of this level, it changes what is normal. And Russ, it's almost not luck. It's not luck. It's the fact that he's that damn good. He actually can do this. One score games at that level is usually luck ish, right? Usually, certain bounces go your way. Different things. And look, usually things had to go their way here, right? Like at the end of the day, if Alexander Alexander Madison looks right, or even honestly, if Dalvin Cook doesn't get banged up, that's a first down converted. He never sees the football. But that's not what happened. As they sit here at 5-0, and I am now torn because he's doing it again. He's the MVP without a shadow of a doubt five weeks into the season. But, like, this is not... This how easily, Dane, could this team be three and two? Now that isn't to say that they should be three and two, or honestly, even two and three. But Cam at the goal line, Alexander Madison also an inch short. Dallas had the lead under two minutes in that game. That's not taking away from them, but it is our job to try and look through the end result and ask ourselves, okay. Is this going to be how this team wants to get it done? So I I really like what you're saying here because that is where I am. And I'd submit to you something like Patrick Mahomes. When Patrick Mahomes does crazy stuff, right? Yep. Part of a, part, some people are like, ah, that's not sustainable. And then we're like, no, 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 that's him. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and at some point, I think you're right. You know, yes. They could very easily be, you know, three and two. Yes, this could be luck, right? But when we see all of it, you and I or any analyst still has the opportunity to draw a conclusion from mm-hmm. what they see, right? And the conclusion could be, ah, oh, this is going to come back to bang them eventually, right? And that is my conclusion when I see Josh Allen. The conclusion, however, could be, nah. That's what this dude is going to do. I can hang my hat on this. And that is my conclusion when it is Russell Wilson. And I think that's the difference, right? Like there's sometimes we're like, nah, this is what we can expect. Yeah. And that takes time for him to prove that to us. And I believe Russell Wilson has. He's been doing this for years. In that game, and you alluded to it briefly, Kev, Dalvin Cook left the game, right? He did 
somehow come back for a series or two, but I don't know. It feels like he kind of toughed it through it. Even our guy, Dr. Chow, said that he was surprised by his return, that he may that he did, in fact, tough through it. So that is a big-time mm-hmm. uh, name to keep an eye on when it comes to the injuries. And I do want to say one other thing because we got to move to another game and another huge injury. We'll talk about the game separately. But Dalvin Cook was not the biggest injury in Week 5. Unfortunately, and if you saw it, it was gruesome. It was one of the ones that they're not going to show the footage of much. Dak Prescott had ankle surgery last night in an area hospital. No, Tony Romo, it was not a cramp. It was a gruesome injury. You know it by the way the players react. And with all the context, Dak having such an incredible otherworldly year, thrown for 500 yards a time, and in the context, Kev, of him betting on himself with the franchise tag. I got to tell you, this was really unfortunate to see what happened with Dak. It was heartbreaking. It really was. And I don't know if people out there think, oh, you're an Eagles fan. You must have been. No. I actually felt myself get choked up when I saw Jason Garrett walk over to him. from Jason the Garrett walked line. over. Stephen Jones was, hugging his mom. It was it was heartbreaking to see. Now, I think the contract situation is maybe more, even more complicated than people realize. But forget that for just a quick second and think about, you know, Someone losing their season and having to realize that as they're carved off the field. Heartbreaking. Absolutely. Absolutely. And because the man bet on himself, and now he might lose that bet because of injury. We'll come on back and talk more. Nine NBA SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back, everybody, right here onto the early line on the grid. We, of course, welcome our radio affiliates from around the country. Thanks for waking up very early with us. We were talking about Giants cowboys but you know obviously the story is not those teams that are below 500 in the nfc east the story is all of the ripple effects and interesting factors that go into the fact that dak prescott had a gruesome injury later in the game scrambling to his left and gets you know his ankle you know it was gruesome It was gruesome. It reminds me of some of the gruesome ones from my day, whether it was Anthony Munoz, whether it was Alex Smith, who we'll talk about on the other side of this kind of comeback story, or the Joe Mm. Feisman kind of thing. It was gruesome. It was obvious from the very beginning. You can always tell, Kevin, in my opinion, by the reaction of the other players and coaches on the field. And it was clear that this was a really bad one. So let's talk about this on two levels. One, the actual injury. You talked with Doc uh, David Chow, and I want to hear what he thinks, at least, you know, first thoughts, right? And then also, unfortunately, I do think we have to get into the complications around Dak's contract situation and now what this does to complicate matters. So first, it sounds like yesterday on In Game Live, you talked to Dr. Chow. Mm -hmm. What did he say as a reaction to what we all saw? Well, obviously, learn more. I mean, the man had surgery last night, but, you know, what was Dr. Chow's initial reaction? Because he is our doc here on SportsGrid. 
And, and listen, this is a guy who has experience in this, so he was spot Absolutely. on. He goes, well, he'll be having surgery tonight, and the next thing you know, Adam Schefter is like, Dak Prescott will be having surgery tonight. Hmm. He was on top of it. And he actually made the point. He goes, this is not Alex Smith. This should not okay. be Alex Smith, which is a good sign. And in fact, I said, well, Doc, give me a timeline here. Next year, is Dak under center? And he said, yes. It should be. Okay. It's a it, you know, it's gonna be a long road for him. You know, you talk about injury comparisons and it, it is so yeah. unfortunate that we all have so many things we can call to, but Gordon Hayward was the one that came to sure. mind. I know different sure. sports, but it looked like the same exact yeah. thing. Uh That's to me, one. Dak, you know, with what Doc is saying, being ready to go next year is incredible. It's really felt like the best news you could hope for. And I'll throw this to you, Dane, in terms of the contract situation here. Mm-hmm. Now, right, if you're Dallas, there's this, oh, well, do we want to commit long-term? You've spent all this time asking yourselves, are we sure? Did you see enough right. in a one-in-three start with him under center to say, yes, we are sure? I don't know. Also, if you're Dak, look, you bet on yourself once. If they tell you you're going to be good to go, maybe you want to bet on yourself again. And here's why this is, I think, more complicated than people realize. If they continue to not be able to come to terms on a long-term deal, which I right now, and you can tell me if you disagree, I believe is the likely scenario, they can't fret. That they do or do not? That they do not. Because I think both sides, because I don't think Dak is going to budge, and I don't think Dallas is going to even consider going up to the number that Dak wants off of an injury, right? To where... The only then option would be the franchise tag, except you can't franchise tag him and pay him close to $50 million next year. And what that leads to is Dak in a different uniform next year. And that's the direction I believe we are heading. I agree with you, Kevin. But what further complicates this is whatever that team is, right, Mm -hmm. is going to have to sign over... $37 $37 million a year to a man who just had a severe injury, right? And that complicates things, right? Someone yeah. is going to have to shove all in, whether, to be quite honest, whether it's the Cowboys or any one of the other 31 franchises, they're going to have to shove. And you just said, like, did he right. do enough, right? And the whole thing is, we don't know, right? This injury doesn't certainty to the equation it just doesn't right but i think the difference between dallas is dallas's avenue to keeping him for one more season is the franchise tag at right an which is exorbitant price yep the Absolutely. other awesome we both use the word exorbitant how about that um but i think the for other teams it's dak walks in free agency now again it's going to be a hefty price but I think yeah. it's a one-year price as opposed to handing over the keys to the franchise to where that one-year $35 million deal, Dallas would would do cartwheels to be able to have that situation next year. They don't. That's the right. danger of the franchise tag. Yeah, it is. Um, but, you know, the open market is also a danger to all sorts of teams' pocketbooks. Yeah. We'll get into that. I do want to ask you about the game. Though, because um, and the future here, the Cowboys are two and three. Correct me if I'm wrong. That is first place in the yeah. NFC East. And here's the thing: this Dallas offense is dynamic. 
Okay. Yeah. On draft day, Kev, we talked about all the toys that they have and how now Dak has no excuse with CD Lamb, with Feed Me, and all that stuff, right? So mm-hmm. why can't Andy Dalton put up 30? Well, Andy Dalton went 9 of 11, 111 yards, and led a game winning drive. That's the reality for Dallas. And I said this while we were on air for in game live, but I didn't want to be too prisoner of the moment. But it felt like, to a degree, Dallas's season hung in the balance with that game against the Giants. You really can't give away home games when it comes to the NFC East. Home no. games to the Giants in Washington. I know Philly gave one away right. to Washington, but at least they can say it was a road game, right? Also, the gap now that this team has to have in confidence between, oh my gosh, We just lost to the Giants. And by the way, Dalton came in and fumbled to set up one of those Giants scores to where it's not as if you could be like, ah, what was he supposed to do? No, he would have been a key part in not being able to get the job done, right? Instead, just... He completes 82% of his passes, though. Correct. In this offense, come on. Right. Like, he just let a game-winning drive. You're... In first place, you didn't give away a home game to the Giants. You now still have three games left against the Giants and Washington. I can't wait to talk about Washington. You're still with all of these offensive weapons now. And this is one of the things we've talked about. I said this as an Eagles fan. I said, if I can give the Eagles credit for valuing backup quarterback. I'd be the world's biggest hypocrite for not doing the same to Dallas when they brought in Andy Dalton, who is, to not get into semantics, one of the five best options that anybody had on their bench at the position with legitimate playoff experience. He may still be one of the best 32 quarterbacks in the world. He might be. He might be 31, 32, 33. He's he's a legit NFL quarterback, okay? This is legit. Mm -hmm. And he's playing with incredible weaponry. Incredible weaponry. Like, to where I don't think it is wise to entirely write Dallas off. But I will tell you, one of the things that really jumped out to me Next week, Dallas, home against Arizona, a spot you've been waiting for because it's Arizona's third straight road game. You know it. (laughs) Arizona's laying two and a half. The like Mm. that is Mm. that that is a Mm. lot of value (laughs) being assigned to Dak over Andy Dalton. And I'm not necessarily telling you they're wrong. I know the schedule spot makes you salivate, but that's just a point of reference for people. That is a move of probably six full points if Dak is under center as opposed to Andy Dalton. Yeah, that's definitely going to be something to watch, but I can see us already a week from today talking about the Texas native Andy Dalton on Monday Night Football with the opportunity to, you know, get distance in that division. Oh, boy, it's going to be so interesting to see where this narrative goes. And we talk about Dallas at two and three in first place in the NFC East. The Eagles had a chance to do that in a game against Pittsburgh that was kind of back and forth where there were points of play. But the Steelers get it done 38 to 29. And, you know, we saw Deontay Johnson 
go out with a back injury. And some rookie from Notre Dame replaced him. And that rookie's name is Chase Claypool, who goes seven for 110, three touchdowns. He then runs another one in as well. Kev? I saw and uh, I saw Carson once under pressure a lot in this game, taking hits, and every time I was like, "Ooh, ooh, ooh!" But um, they score points. Miles Sanders looking good. Greg Ward needs to be respected as a wide receiver in the NFL. But ultimately, the story of this game is Chase Claypool and what this Pittsburgh Steelers offense can potentially be under Big Ben. There's there's a lot from this game. I will say this, you can see over my shoulder a Notre Dame yeah. black. Boy, did Chase Clay. Oh, we said this draft heart. night. Boy, we did said this draft night. My heart. I, don't like being the, I don't like being right sometimes. And hmm. I, this was one I'd rather been dead wrong and be like, wow, Chase Claypool stinks. He was the best player. Like, it, when wide receivers are the best player on the field, right, it yeah. always is fun. Unless you're on the other side of it. What a performance right. from Chase Claypool. He was excellent. Philly, Travis Fulham, 10, 152 in a score. Greg Ward sure. had a score. Like, I think for the Eagles, there's a lot there. They can get right. Hopefully, you now, of course, with the division, it's in striking distance. But I'd actually rather talk about Pittsburgh. Because, Dane, okay. you're someone who I would say is pretty high on Pittsburgh. I might be mislabeling. And if so, I know you'll correct me. No, that's fair. But I believe three teams make the playoffs in the AFC North. I've been saying that all year. The Steelers, that is not a performance to hang your hat on at all. Big Ben was letting the receivers do a lot of the work after the catch. And that's fine, but a lot of people were like, Drew Brees' career is over when that was the case. And this defense, which I've been asking more questions about than most, has did not answer them at the end of this game as Fulham, Sanders, and Wentz lit them up. Yep. And yet they are still undefeated, scoring 38 points. More games to discuss when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the edge on Sports Grid, Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. And, Kev, I want to call these next two games the games where people got banged out of their survivor Yeah. And we start in Kansas City where the Las Vegas Raiders hand the Chiefs their first loss in, what, something like a calendar year by getting them 40-32. to Derek Carr, 347 yards and three touchdowns. You know, we've been wondering, like, how does someone beat Kansas City, right? And it's almost to me, tell me if this resonates with you, Kev. You know how I always say, like, the Houston Rockets are live because they're going to shove all in on an extreme way of playing, and if it works, they got Mm. a chance. Derek Carr is throwing bombs to Henry Ruggs. He's throwing bombs to Nelson Aguilar, right? They're doing their best Hardman, Watkins, Hill impersonation. Now, it's a very narrow path, right? Because you got to, you know, complete a 72-yard touchdown to Henry Ruggs, a 59-yard touchdown to Nelson Aguilar, right? The idea to hang with the Chiefs in doing it this way is not easy, but maybe it's the path to try to beating them, right? And... Las Vegas 
outscored Patty Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs and got it done 40 to 32. Well, that's the see, that's the thing with this game. The Chiefs were up 21 to 10. And then it was a 30 to 3 run for the Raiders. Now, this is they really just kept why firing. they drafted. This is why they drafted Ruggs. I, you know, there was for a while people like Derek Carr, too conservative. Not in this game. Push the ball down the field. Rugs, like, get used to that stat line. Two catches, 118 yards, one touchdown. Yeah. He rules. We said I this. This is Deshaun Jackson, Will yeah. Fuller. Like, he's awesome. Like, I, 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 like as much as I think Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb are both better than him, I, I think he's going to bring in a valuable piece to this Raiders game. And the Raiders now at 3-2, and two, right? An improbable three and two, winning at Kansas City. Nobody in this AFC West has been able to have Andy Reid. Going into the Super Bowl, going into the Super Bowl, the mm-hmm. favored Super Bowl matchup was Kansas City, New Orleans. The Raiders have beat both of them. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, the, the Raiders have good wins under their belt. This team is going to hang in the mix, one hundred percent. But as per the story, is on the other side of the field. And in a game where they scored 32 points, I thought they were pretty bad offensively. They were stagnant for a long, long time on that side of the ball. And again, you score 32, that feels hard to say. But I think this is a real, I don't want to say a turning point, but the game that is next on their schedule is the Buffalo Bills, which I believe we're now playing next Monday. I like this thing's moving I all over thought the place. Sunday, I, but it could still be yeah, Thursday I, if Tuesday doesn't actually go down. I don't know. So we'll see. They're going they play the play Bills next, we think. <laughs> at some point, probably. Yeah. Who knows where Buffalo's at? Because I know a lot of people have written off Tennessee. I haven't. We'll see. Fine. But and it almost doesn't matter. If the Kansas, if the Kansas City Chiefs come out next game and just scorch earth, the way that they have a couple of spots this year, right? then it's, okay, they're fine. Nothing to see here. This team is going to be able to turn it on whenever they want. Now, if they lose the game, it doesn't mean we press the panic button and they're fraudulent and they're going to lose. That's not the point. But it's important to know, are there cracks? Are there holes? Can this team be had or 16-0 is preposterous? Teams don't go 16-0. They fell 15-1 is preposterous, to be quite honest. (laughs) So is 14 and 2. Like, that's what the Ravens were last year. Like, they never lost football games. Like, the Chiefs losing is not the end of the world. But I will say, they, you know, I was talking to someone about this team earlier in the week who was nervous about them going into the Ravens game, saying, I just wonder at what point does it catch up to them? The way they just keep letting teams hang around. And, like, this is how they won a Super Bowl. This is, like, literally. This is how they won a Super Bowl. They scored that touchdown to cut the lead, and it was like, oh, wow, Uh here we go again, right? (laughs) Right. You almost expected the Russell Wilson outcome. Yes. (laughs) Like, like, it's not a sustainable way to win football games. So that's already the Chiefs now become, to me, the most interesting team of Week 6. Do they go out there and do they hang 30, 40 points and look dominant? Or... You know, do they have now back-to-back losses for the first time in a very long time? 
No, I think that is fair, okay? But, you know, we talk about the Chiefs and how they have played their comeback wins in the playoffs last year. And we started this show talking about we can trust Russell Wilson to do it. It's almost like, mm-hmm. you know, we expect Patty Mahomes to do it, and he still does it 90% of the time. This was the one he didn't do it, you know what I mean? And honestly, Kev, I do think as we move on, we should talk about the Raiders, right? Because they are now 3-2. and two. I wonder yeah. what tier in the AFC we put them in. And I've always yeah. said, one of the pieces of the formulas to beat the Chiefs is to punch them in the mouth. And Josh Jacobs also exhibiting bell cow characteristics, 23 carries, Mm -hmm. 77 yards, getting into the end zone twice. You have to have that ability to run the football. I go back all the time. The last time the Chiefs lost two games in a row, I reel it off to you all the time against the Colts when Marlon Mack Mm -hmm. was able to run, against the Texans when Carlos Hyde punched him in the mouth. That is part of the element you need to beat these Chiefs. But I digress because, listen, if you didn't have the Chiefs in a knockout pool, you might have, like the spitting statistician, gone with the San Francisco 49ers as your survivor pool pick in week five. And, Kev, early on in this one, I was like, oh, well, there goes that idea because the Miami Dolphins boat race the San Francisco 49ers after traveling across the country for a later afternoon start 43 to 17. We were talking about, you know, to a tiger of a lower potentially in this game. Well, Ryan Fitzpatrick put it in my eye with 350 yards and three touchdowns. One of the things I did say on pro football today on Sunday morning, Kev, was we're talking about all these Niners injuries. Raheem Mostart coming back. Boza and Thomas on the front line. They were down four cornerbacks, okay? And Ryan Fitzpatrick has no problem throwing YOLO balls to the six-foot-plus Preston Williams, to the six-foot-plus Devontae Parker, to the six-foot-plus Mike Gusecki. He gives his guys a chance. They are good pass catchers. And boy, in my opinion, was that the difference? The Dolphins roll over the Niners to the point where Jimmy G got benched. So when we're right, it's awesome. And you have to be able to enjoy when you're correct. But when you're wrong, you got to own it and you got to learn from it. Yeah, San Fran was my survivor pick. I I thought they were the best teaser (laughs) spot on the board. I mean, I thought they were the best teaser spot on the board. And they got housed. And I I caught myself on on in-game live uh, because there was a point in the show when I said, Ryan Fitzpatrick days are real. They're real. And this is coming on the heels of a week where people were expecting it, which is never good. Never good. Don't expect the Fitz day. Embrace the Fitz day. And I said, oh, this is a Ryan Fitzpatrick day. We have to be very cautious here, blindly backing the Niners. And at one point I went, I told you so. And I went, I told you what? I said, like I was calling myself. I'm like, you're (laughs) shot. Don't you dare say I told you so after what you said about the Niners coming into the game. But this is a spot now, like, believe it or not, these teams have the same record. The yeah. same record. Yeah. So for the Dolphins at 2-3, and three, who now, due to schedule flipping, they're supposed to play the Jets next week. Who knows? Who knows? There are good pieces on this side of, of the offense. The defense is supposed to be improved, and they can only get healthier. And I really do like Brian Flores as a coach. But similar to the Raiders, they're not the story. 
The other half right. of this game was in the That's Super fair. Bowl. Jimmy Garoppolo got benched. Might he been because he wasn't 100% healthy? Maybe. Yes. But, like, don't tell me the two picks didn't have to do with it because I know for right. a fact that they did. It was, an, it was an unforgivable performance because the Chiefs lost their first game of the year. The Chiefs hung around, right? The Chiefs were playing a division opponent where things can go wild. The Niners just lost back-to-back games at home to two teams that when they that entered, traveling that way. Yeah. boy, did they not feel like they had much of a part. Yeah, and you're right. Like a ton of travel for those teams making their way to San Francisco. And you didn't, you didn't lose. You didn't get jobbed. You got embarrassed. You got really embarrassed. Did. And I they mentioned really before the, the, the movement, by the way, in the Arizona line. Credit to Ariel. She tweeted this out last night. And I almost couldn't believe it. Look ahead line for the Niners hosting the Rams on Sunday night football. Minus mm. three San Fran. Sounds right to me. It is now minus three Rams. In San Francisco. Anybody arguing with that? Anybody? No. Not I. The Niners have lost their last two at home. The Niners, correct me if I'm wrong, Kev, they occupy the basement of the NFC West yeah. right now at yeah. two and three. The Rams are better. The Cardinals got to three and two. The Seahawks have not lost a game. So, you know, the level of concern, we talk about the Super Bowl hangover. Were they compromised by injury? Absolutely they are. Are they the same version? No, they are not. I think moving forward, we have to take an honest look at San Francisco mm -hmm. instead of giving them the benefit of the doubt. It's not the same team. Um you know, it's also not the same team as the Atlanta Falcons because they have lost yet another game and they won't be the same team because next week they're going to have an interim coach and they're going to have an interim GM. You know, it's interesting, Kev. This team defecated the mattress for the better part of last year, made a switch, right? Raheem Morris going over to be the defensive coordinator. They finished strong, right? Mm -hmm. But it's the same thing this year. Okay, and they lose to my man, the butler, white glove service, Teddy Bridgewater, 23 to 16. Gurley was good in this one, but it doesn't matter. Dan Quinn is now gone. Dimitrov is gone as well. Uh, long time coming. Right decision. Do you agree with the timing of this move in Atlanta? Yeah, I do. They're 0-5, and the last two losses almost as painful as the Bears and the Cowboys. I might be exaggerating, but they got embarrassed by Green Bay. And I know Green Bay looks incredible. Right now they're a top three team, I would say, for most people in terms of power ratings. But they, they were embarrassed. And they turned home here. And again, like I said, when I'm right, I'm right. When I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I thought Atlanta was going to absolutely win this game. I, I really right. thought Atlanta was going to win. I was on Teddy and Carolina, but you 100%. Know, it was division matchup. Yeah. No, but like you, you, I actually, I remember I post, I said, Dane, am I like, are we buying the basement here on Atlanta and right. we got a little bit of a value? Or is right. this Carolina thing for real? And you're like, look, man, I'm telling you, I think Atlanta's shot and I think Carolina's better than we thought. And both of those things, 100% true. And credit to Carolina, who's now ripped off three wins in a row. Mm -hmm. Without uh, Christian McCaffrey. Back. Yeah. Now, Mike Davis is putting up preposterously great numbers. So it's not as if they're, oh, wow, only if they had a run game. Like There's a lot of things going well. Right. For them. But right. for Atlanta, like, 
to score 16. If you would, I'll put it to you this way. I'll put it to you this way. If I would have told right. you that Carolina scored 23, because I know I would have said, oh, Atlanta got the job done. And I, think I would have assumed that was off. not enough to win. I would have assumed that was not enough to win. I thought this was going to be a good old 30-something to 30-something. But mm-hmm. ultimately, and Kev, I'm not, again, we're not tooting our own horn or anything like that. I have been buying Teddy Bridgewater 100%. for a while. And 313, two touchdowns. He's he's Joe Brady and Matt Rule picked and signed this guy. You like to yeah. say, get that stuff out of here. Get that Terrence, uh, Trevor Lawrence stuff out of here. Teddy Bridgewater is their franchise quarterback. We'll talk more about this when we come back. Mm-hmm. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back, everybody, right here on to the early line. Dane and Kev. And Kev, we're talking about the Carolina Panthers, right? And listen, Matt Rule was supposed to be one of these boy wonder offensive geniuses. Joe Brady from LSU, right? And they went out and got the quarterback they thought could implement the system. They got the receiver that they needed to be another factor of the offense. And they're humming. They lost Christian McCaffrey, the undisputed number one overall pick in fantasy football this year. Deservedly so, right? Question for mm-hmm. you, though, Kev. When uh, James Conner went down, we were talking about this becoming a timeshare with Benny Snell. When Kareem, mm. uh, when Nick Chubb goes down, we're talking about how will it look. I know this sounds blasphemous, Kev. Mike Davis has been very, yeah. very good. Yeah. We expect Christian McCaffrey back, who's otherworldly, right? Does Mike Davis still have a role in the Panthers' offense even when Christian McCaffrey comes back. I personally think he might. Am I crazy, Kev? No, I don't think you're crazy because of how well he's playing. I'll throw this to you. If McCaffrey is as much better as we think he is than Mike Davis, (laughs) he is about to obliterate his own records because Mike Davis has been about as good as I could have imagined Christian McCaffrey being during this run. So no, I would not be super quick to just go out there and assume Mike Davis isn't a part of this puzzle. And I'll just quickly, I just want to make sure I say it because on the Falcon side of this thing, when a GM goes out the door and a coach goes out the door, we've seen this quarterback Mm -hmm. better start worrying. And because the Saints are supposed to be good and they play in prime time, we talked about Drew being done. Philip Rivers, we'll have a conversation about him. Yeah. Matt Ryan? Ooh, yeah. boy. Yeah. Ooh, Think about the ages of some of these guys. We all know about like Breeze and Big Ben and like the Rivers, Eli Manning, Tom Brady. Right behind them are guys like Aaron Rodgers, guys like Matt Ryan, guys like Matthew Stafford, right, that have been in this league a long time. And we're going to have mm-hmm. to consider as the carousel, Mike Davis, 89 yards, nine catches, 60 yards, and a touchdown. I'm telling you. I might, right now in fantasy, buy Mike Davis. I know it sounds Hmm. crazy, but he might have a role moving on. More games in hour number two when we come back on the early line. Dane and Kevin, keep it locked right here on The Grid. Stay in the cage or you're 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.